wonderful record. So we are now <laughs> recording. So whatever you wow, say. Wow, it's live on air, people. <laughs> not air, but not. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's gets, pre-recorded. Yeah. <laughs> This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Deborah Holloran. Hello. Hey. Hey. What's up? I'm just enjoying that way too much. I mean, like, Deb, you know what's interesting as well, because most people on the internet will not know who either of us are other than... No one will know who I am. No, I know, I know. (laughs) It's guaranteed. the the wonderful internet of the few people who know you know mutual friends who know us mm. um but you and i have been old high school friends yeah. um and then reconnected recently after 10 years yeah maybe even longer i think it was like 11 years yeah, yeah. and then and then that makes me feel very old i know um, are you 30 yet yes yeah yeah it's just sad oh, i know i'm like what when when do you turn 30 in november oh we're fucked this year yeah. um kind of looking forward to it you really yeah. what are you what are you looking forward to i don't know i guess i'll feel like i've felt recently in the last few years that i'm like finally growing up and especially in the last six months so i guess i'm kind of like yeah i'm finally yeah growing up and like becoming yeah. an adult yeah it's, it's taken it's, me a long time <laughs> i mean like I, I mean, honestly, I, I I sort of feel like that's what's being a, an adult versus being a child and especially being a teenager because I don't really feel like I interacted with teenagers the other day. I was doing a photo shoot and I was like, we were taking photos and I think they were about 14, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. And 15-year-old boys, I kind of forget how annoying they are like, yes. and how just like ignorant they are of any like personal awareness of other people in there and I then remembered what I was like during my teenage years and going god I was a little shit like Mm because they just came up to us without like realizing what we were doing they were just kind of going hey 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 and I was like why what the fuck do you want yeah and there's no reason there's no reason other than like just annoying adults (laughs) who they don't even know like these kids didn't know us. Yeah, because I spend a lot of times, a lot of time at skate parks now because I'm learning to skateboard. Oh and yeah. There's obviously lots of like teenage and young boys there. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I just listen to the conversations and I'm like, what even is this? <laughs> or like the language that they use. Like I'm truly an adult because I'm about to comment on young people swearing. <laughs> but I'm just like, what? Like, oh my god. You know, it's so bad. But then I'm like, well, whatever. I mean, I have such a potty mouth and like. <laughs> I was just the same, so fuck, I can't judge. But, no, I know. I yeah. mean, I mean, <laughs> I think that's also the thing that I remember us uh, as us as teenagers, which you know seemed like not that long ago. But I remember when we were discussing, there's there's kind of this weird passage of time when you're an adult and when you're a teenager, or at least when you leave high school and kind of like this, um, not knowing the the how to become an adult very quickly mm. because everyone kind of has this high expectation of you know adults have jobs adults pay taxes you know like you know adults do all these things they look after they're responsible but there's kind of like mid year twenties which are kind of in the weird point of being you're not going through puberty anymore but you know puberty no longer exists for you as an adult yeah but you're kind of like stuck in this in between where you've kind of gone through the awkward years of your life and you don't know quite what you're meant to do as an adult like the 20s is really a a weird point 100 percent. like especially you know your puberty years is like mostly your teenage years Mm. and you're still sort of developing more in your late teens early 20s but your brain doesn't finish developing until it's like 25 Mm. so it's like you graduate at 17 
I only went to uni because all I wanted to do was move out of home. It's yeah. the only reason I went to uni. Didn't actually care about studying. Really? Yeah, just wanted to get out of home. Yeah. So I did that, hated it. Like, if just the people I knew back then, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. That was the worst version of myself, my mm. uni years, like really bad. But I was just like, I don't care. I just want to move out of home. Yeah. Like, and you- I just did it because that's sort of what you did. Like, even TAFE wasn't really encouraged. Yeah. But there's a lot of great pathways through TAFE like to do other things in life there is and I I, I commend tertiary education because I feel like um I never went to uni because the whole like I just I, I had no desire to be an academic like I always felt that like surprises me because I feel like you're a nerd so <laughs> it's surprising to me that you didn't go to uni <laughs> well I mean I, originally I wanted to study psychology and I don't know if that was just because I was always very curious about how people thought and mm. especially like I think just in in general of young adults and and like you know teenagers because we always had very different opinions and how opinions formulate when you're young to versus when you're an adult and there was I think psychology in, in, interested me because there was a lot of <laughs> I mean isn't probably not the nicest way but I I feel like a lot of adults and and people lack empathy which is you know everyone has this real lack of awareness of what empathy is and how to actually feel sorry for someone or feel like any um care and i and i felt that was really lacking in our um uh, but also everyone who came out of uni which was a lot of people kind of felt like they were smarter than everyone else and i was like this is also the wrong thing that uni should not be teaching you like it shouldn't be teaching you that the phd is the be all end all it's like the hsc it's like it's not a be all or end all. It's kind of just another little piece of paper that kind of says you can get another layer of jobs and, you know, like. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, and on the empathy thing, and it's funny how you say you feel like a lot of people don't have empathy. I feel like I've only developed it recently, mm. truly. Like I really, if anyone knows younger <laughs> me, they'll probably go, yeah, a hundred percent. Like I really was not an empathetic person at mm. all. I was quite judgmental and like just didn't care about anyone else. Mm. So it's only. I think that's why I'm sort of in a way looking forward to turning 30 and like feeling like I'm finally growing up. It seems pathetic to say this at 29. It's like, oh my God, now I'm growing up. It's like, <laughs> but really I am. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's good though. I, I feel like also from my memories of us when we were teenagers, I think the one thing was you were kind of shy. You were, all, you were, you were these weird, like we were both pretty weird. We yeah. were both like we weren't cool. Um, but I think I was so cool. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't that cool. But apparently, people did think I was cool, and they'd be like, "Oh, Deborah, she's like that cool, like pretty yeah. mysterious girl." I was like, "What the what?" Like, yeah, I know because you were quiet. <laughs> That's all you were. You were just like <laughs> ominous and quiet. Yeah. Um, but I feel like as as like. I, I feel like over the years as well and, and reconnecting now, it's, it is it is very different because we're both at very different points in our lives um, versus when we were in high school, mm-hmm. which is, you know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, it, it was like what we were saying when we were, we were chatting over drinks. We, we, there was nothing about our younger selves that we were always very good friends then. So it was like just kind of drifted apart and then reconnected later. But I think also the one thing was, we, there was kind of this, you know, I always felt like there was this sort of like person who didn't want to kind of like, you know, fit in, had an interest, had an interest here, had an interest there, but you really just wanted to do your own thing. And that was kind of what appealed, I guess, to everyone because they weren't used to someone being just themselves in this really kind of like you had to fit in. 
And I think yeah. that was what made you kind of unique in that whole situation. And my memory of it as well is that I didn't really give in to peer pressure a mm. lot. Um, I don't know if my memory is accurate, but I feel like that was the case. Like, Yeah, you didn't. No. Yeah, I was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's dumb. Like, <laughs> like I probably in hindsight could have lightened up a little bit, truly. Like I've really <laughs> felt that throughout my life. Like, mm. fuck, I should just lighten up and like just have fun. But And I do have fun, like don't get me wrong. But <laughs> there's just things where I'm just like, no. But yeah, especially when I was younger, I was just like, yeah. you know. But I was also very scared of getting in trouble. I detest getting in trouble. Which is quite interesting. scared of my mum, so I didn't want to like get in trouble with her. So I just wouldn't do a lot of things. Which is which is really interesting because that was kind of I I guess also like you were always and I and I mean I use this in quotation marks because I feel like it's such an old term now for just describing anyone. But it, like you know the tomboy, you know, hundred oh, like, percent. Yeah, yeah, I still am a tomboy to this very yeah. day. But <laughs> because you were always kind of just like I think just. You know, but I could get that sense because I remember even when we were we were teens and like you came over to my house and there was always something a bit like off as well. Like you always came <laughs> that like you just always presented someone who just kind of wanted to not upset anyone really, but you didn't know how to fix things. You just kind of were really? like, yeah, it was really weird because I remember like times, you know, because back then, if anyone knew my past self, I couldn't regulate emotions very well. I was very up and down. I, I, a lot of people actually suspected I had bipolar, which mm. ended up being uh, diagnosed with um, social anxiety many years later. And um, a lot of it came out of actually having like epilepsy and ADHD so it was kind of like one of those things that if you don't um, aren't aware of, you kind of don't know how to regulate. So I'm on I'm on Lovin and anxiety meds now, which kind of regulate a lot of that. But back then, it was just kind of like a switch. Like suddenly, I get very upset over the stupidest things that really didn't have anything to do with the situation. It was just kind of like I hyperfixated on something. And I remember, <laughs> I remember once I started just getting upset for no reason other than just. I had a disagreement with someone. I was like, cool. And then everyone was just super concerned. And I remember you came over and you were just trying to comfort me, but you didn't know what to say. <laughs> it was really sweet. I, I re don't remember this. It was really sweet. We were like out somewhere in Concord or somewhere. And I remember you trying. I don't think I've ever been to Concord. No, we have. There is a fake. <laughs> no, there's a video of you there. So, <laughs> so you can't tell us. Okay. Well. <laughs> You're like, I've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't remember this. Yeah. Interesting. And, and it was very interesting because I remember you just didn't know what kind of to say, but yeah. it was like you were trying to, I guess, help. And that yeah, was kind of that like, goes back to the thing where I had truly zero empathy because yeah. I, I literally would not have cared or known what to say because I was like, I did not feel it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's so Which is, but how do you, how do you, <laughs> I mean, like with you now though, what, what was the trigger? What do you, what do you sort of like think that kind of made that change for you? Um, getting older and fucking hate this phrase, but doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. Because did you work out why you had all this sort of like struggle to, you know, I guess feel empathy or at least kind of worry? What was, was yeah. it? Yeah. I guess I'd say I'm quite avoidant. Yeah. Um, so I put up walls quite a lot and I avoid people, places and things like <laughs> pretty much anything um you know not really good at voicing truly how i feel or sometimes even being able to understand it or articulate it properly yeah um and yeah and then sort of recently been doing like you know taking certain steps to like improve areas of my life mm. and through that is sort of me 
learning empathy finally. Yeah. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Which I mean, should it, be innate, it, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the fact that you've done steps and the fact that, you know, I guess, you know, that's as hard as it is. Um, it, mm. You know, it, it, you know, com- you need to commend yourself for doing that as well, you know, because that's not something, I guess there's so many people who live throughout life and never do the work. Yeah. And sometimes I get frustrated because it's like, why do I have to do the work and fucking no one else has to? Yeah. But, um, you know, it's really for my benefit and then by extension, everyone else's because then I'm a better person and I'll put better energy out there and I'll be doing better things and, or just hurting people less. Like even really good friends, I've hurt them deeply through my words and actions. Like, mm. I don't know how they're still friends with me, but they are, um, you know, I've made them cry before. Like, mm. it's just so, but like looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I just, I was in so much pain and all I did was just put pain and back mm. out there. And now I'm not in so much pain through doing fucking the work and the steps and all this stuff. So, mm. yeah, did, did you end up be a good thing? Did you end up doing therapy and stuff? Was that kind of like part of your journey? I did therapy when I was like 21. Mm. Um, the first time I went, I was living in Canada on exchange. I went mm. to UBC, and that was the worst anxiety and depression of my life. Like. It was really bad and I felt quite guilty because I was like, I'm in this really beautiful place. Like Vancouver's awesome and mm. I was seriously miserable. Mm. And um, But it was also my first time ever overseas and I just like went there yeah. for like four months. But like I'd be walking down the street and just thinking everyone was judging me. Like it was really bad or if someone in the supermarket was like, oh, excuse me, I'd burst into tears. Like just stuff like that where it was just like – and then I didn't do any of my final exams or final assignments Mm. So all my marks for those subjects was like literally 50%, 51%, like, you know, and I did like random subjects. Like yeah. I was a third year tech theater student and I did a first year tech theater subject. First, like literally yeah. semester one, year one. And I was a third year student. And everyone's like, wow, you know so much. I'm like, yeah, I'm a third year student. I'm just doing this because like, I just don't care. I just wanted to drop out of uni actually. Yeah. But I went on exchange instead. Because uh, I used it as a break. Yeah. Because I was losing my mind. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, because do you classify yourself as having depression or like... Not anxiety? anymore. Yeah. Um, but back then, definitely. Yeah. And I, that's when I, I went on medication when I was over in Canada. And um, then from... I was on it for like a few years, whatever. And I was like, yeah, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm going to take this for the rest of my life. You know, I have depression. And now I'm like of such a different mindset. I would never touch that shit again. Mm. Never in my life would I ever go on anything like that. And even like the label depression, it's like, yes, okay, we all feel depressed at times, but I was eating like shit. I was sleeping a lot. I was taking sleep medication at night. I was binge eating and then taking laxatives to help me go to the toilet, like not socializing, not seeing the sun. Like no wonder I was depressed. (laughs) Yeah. I was very unhealthy (laughs) yeah that's that's you just ticked all the boxes of someone who should not yeah and then it's like well hang on a minute if i actually get some sunshine eat not shit all the time Mm. or an entire box of cereal (laughs) then magically i'm not as depressed like yeah i'm still sad or whatever but like it's not so crippling yeah i mean did did that stem out of like you know i guess home life and everything did that like where did you start feeling like or was it just kind of habits that you developed um, out of your own life? 
Well, I've like, I don't know. It's funny because I've spoken about my mum sort of a little bit about this recently. Just through my master's degree, I had to ask mm. her some questions about me when I was younger. Mm. And she was always like, oh, you were great. And, like, you were so happy and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, <laughs> no, I, I was, my memory is that I was fucking miserable. Mm. But then again, it's like, memories can be changed. And yeah. like, how realistic are they? Like, when I'm trying to remember something from over 20 years ago, even just me thinking about it over and over again changes the memory. Yeah. So maybe I wasn't as sad as I thought I was, but my memory is that I was not a really happy child, very anxious, um, and just whatever home life, like stress in the house, and I sort of felt that a lot. I was the youngest of four, yeah. and I was the only girl. Yeah. So I was like, you know, jealous that my brothers could go do fun things. I was always told that, like, you know, I was too small or too little, too young. I fucking hated that. And then also being told I couldn't do certain things because I was a girl. And I just be like, what does that even mean? Like, my brothers can do it. What? Mm. So just things like that. Yeah. yeah. But, and then as I grew up into a teenager, it just sort of kept, yeah, just, you know, I had friends tell me, like, I was a really angry person and I was very short fuse. Mm. Just, yeah, really not happy. Like, yeah, I remember, I remember like in particular, we had entertainment class, which ended up, but like, I remember being um, pushed into your class, which we, you know, it was, it was back in, I think year 12 and our teacher at the time uh, really liked me. So he was like, is that Miss Hagman? Yeah. I loved, she loved me too. Yeah. Um, and, um, and it was the guy as well. We had someone else. It was the uh, male teacher we had as well. No, I don't know. Do you remember him? It was like he was. He had like um. I can't remember his name for the life of me. He was really lovely, but yeah, both of them just were like, "No, nah, you're coming to the main class because you know everyone else was like a drop kick in the other class. It was like really kind of a bludge class. Yeah. Um. And no one really attempted, and they were like, "You're clearly interested." So I got dumped in your class, and I remember even then, it's like there were very few of us who were very interested in what actually was going on. Like there was like you, me, Tom. Uh, Tom Gilmore and then a few others. And yeah, like, like Tom Sanderson. And, yeah, Tom yeah, Sanderson. And we yeah. all kind of like just huddled to do like things. Um, but I do remember like getting this vibe. Yeah, and it, and it was very much like you you weren't – I don't describe you as young self as angry, but I do describe it as very – like as, you know, as people say, short-fused and, mm. and very hyper-judgy very quickly – but not through any evidence, which was the ironic thing because you'd have no evidence to why you could judge it all of a sudden. Yeah. You would just go, I don't like that. So, therefore, no, that's not my... I know. And, and you know, now that I'm older and I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> literally that is my mum. Like, she's mm. also very judgy, like, quite quickly. Mm. And that's a trait that I've, I guess, like, adopted from her. And I'm just like, oh, I don't like it because, you know, then you push things that were out of your life and you're mm. not open to new things and... Having all these negative thoughts and feelings like only hurts yourself really at the end of the day. Like, yeah, you know, so it just caused me to close off from life and people and opportunities, like rejecting opportunities or not even trying. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I also got the, the sense, you know, and it's, um, you know, that you just didn't know. You, I think, you know, and, and like with most people, and I and I still, I know we've had this discussion, but, you know, like people who are either neurodiverse or anything like that, and we've had this discussion where, we, you know, we think 
that, or we suspect that you might be neurodiverse. Oh, it's some, it's, it's, I have some to be. Com- There's no way I'm normal. Like, <laughs> no. what even is normal? But I know, like, right? Yeah. But I mean, like, it, it is It is such a trait for neurodiverse children especially. And and it's, like, obviously later diagnosed in, in women than it is men because the traits aren't as obvious because you kind of just put it into the category of, oh, teenage girls are hormonal and everything. And it's like, well, no, no, it's not the case. Yeah, it's like, like, hello, so are teenage boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, you have periods and stuff, so, you know, it's completely different. If you're crazy, you're just a fucking woman. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it shits me, but I feel like now, you know, many years later, it's it's kind of the thing where you had traits back then that I, like, I look back and, you know, you do the studies and everything, and it does seem like someone who's neurotypical because, you know, or doesn't feel like they're 100%, you know, like think how everyone else thinks. And there was a lot of kids, you know, like, I'll straight down the line. But, you know, the way I guess neurotypical people think is we kind of fit A to B to C to D, but we don't think in a linear, like, point. And I don't think anyone who's in a creative or a tech field or any kind of, like, field these days, I think neurotypical is more of a common thing than it is uncommon. Mm. I feel like a lot of people are. Um, but I definitely didn't ever describe you as someone who, you know, you would never see this student go, she's lazy. One thing was you were always hyper-fixed on something. You just had a hyper-fixed moments and then you would move on. You would find something else to move on to. I never really stuck to anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that described you as lazy because that doesn't mean, you know, like, that's the thing when, you know, when we were discussing was make you neurotypical because people who are neurotypical tend to hyperfix on something and then move on or they, or they struggle with, um, they're hyper like aware, but they also struggle with, you know, emotions or like perceptive or how to deal and rationalize things. Mm. And, you know, and I, you know, whether or not that came from your parents or whether or not, you know, cause like that can be genetic as well. Yeah. And I'm. You know, it's probably, yeah, like having three older brothers and my mom and my dad and like whatever. But, and I remember looking up recently about adult ADHD and mm. I'm pretty sure one of the criteria to be diagnosed as an adult is you had to exhibit these some of these symptoms as a child, mm. like before the age of 12. And I was just like, oh, well, did I? Like, I don't know. How the fuck am I meant to know that? Yeah. You know, and I've had a friend who sort of explored that recently and she had to get like old school reports. I'm like, what? Like, my mom, like, we definitely have thrown those out. Yeah. How am I meant to access these documents from kindergarten? Like, are you insane? Mm. Yeah, it's 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 nuts, especially when you're in your 30s, because, like, I, I you know, the only, the only reason I was diagnosed was because I had a fit at the age of five. Like, it wasn't, I was, I remember this story very well, and I went to my mom and dad's room, like, late at, like, late in the morning or something like that. It was, like, 2 a.m., and um, I used to have really bad dreams. And then one night I slept in their bed and stayed there. And then I had a fit at like 5 a.m. And they suddenly were like, oh, my God, our child is shaking and wide eyes open. They got an ambulance, drove in a hospital. And then the next day, and the wonderful doctor who has, um, was my childhood um, pediatrician, who unfortunately died a few years ago, he diagnosed with me with um, epilepsy and ADHD. And it was one of those things that back then in the 90s, early 2000s wasn't really that made aware of and it wasn't as well understood as it is now because it's one of those things and especially you know like take it you know we're both born in 92 so it's like you consider that years later we grew up in an era where a lot of that you know like 
diagnosis and you know and stuff and i remember in high school having adhd and explaining it to people and people still did not understand what that meant they thought even in high school that it was like something wrong with me that it was like a disease that it meant i like had all sorts of weird things and i was like no nah, it's none of that it just means i learn in a complete and even some adults i've met to this day have no comprehension of what neurodiverse ways of teaching or anything they just go no nope, you haven't learned the linear way that i've learned and it's like well, that doesn't, as great as that is, that doesn't work for everyone. Like, and that frustrates me as an adult to see how hard access it is, even, you know, as an adult yourself to get diagnosed or, or find a way to have a confident answer to something that has, you know, kind of you're questioning about yourself. Yeah. And like, I mean, I've always sort of thought and joked about being ADHD or Sometimes even I'm like, am I autistic? Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, but then I'm like, I'm quite wary of over-diagnosing these things. Like, you know, like I would never seek out a diagnosis for like anxiety or depression or anything like that anymore because these are emotions that we experience. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not, I am this thing or I have this thing. Mm. We're all human beings and we experience these things at times. And sometimes anxiety is a good thing. It's trying to, your body's trying to tell you something and yeah. you need to listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you just listen to what it's really saying. And I think that's what I'm learning now recently is yeah. like actually to listen. And yeah. I'm not that good at slowing down or anything yet. That's my biggest thing is to actually like slow down i don't know how to rest properly <laughs> yeah yeah but, yeah and that might be something that people who are workaholics or adhd or whatever like they perhaps like don't know how to rest yeah but it maybe it's something you said to me recently was it's not even about resting it's about you just don't know how to sit still always like your brain is very active and it has sort of waves of where it can study but then you'd struggle to focus on studying or you'd struggle to you know like do the research and then you'd move on you need to move or you need to walk or you need to do something yeah part of that I I mean I'm not a doctor so what the fuck do I know but I feel like that's actually an emotional regulation issue like they say that's what procrastination is it's like emotional dysregulation because Mm. I'm avoiding an uncomfortable feeling until the assignment is due at midnight and it's currently 6 p.m. and I fucking have to, like, have to do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a big thing because I I don't know if I identify this way, but I would say I have avoidant traits. Mm. So I'm constantly avoiding uncomfortable feelings, mm. places, situations, whatever. Um, but then, okay, my mind's going everywhere because having said that, like sometimes I'll do things and people will be like, oh, wow, like that's amazing. I could never do that. I'm like, what do you mean? It's not that hard. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like moving overseas on my own when I didn't know anyone or yeah, talking to random people at skate parks and they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I'm like, is it amazing? It's, I'm just saying hello. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's 100%. And I think that, you know, these the way you say that as well, there's no sort of like proper structure to how you might think. Um, because I do remember like, uh, that, like, especially before when I was, uh, I was sort of like in that in between stage, I was very similar. Like I went overseas particularly twice on my own, had no qualms about it. Like, and, and, and I mean, like, obviously it's easier for a guy to do that than it is for a girl because I mean, obviously societal puts pressure on women to kind of not do things independently. 
as much as men. Yeah, and there are safety concerns. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean, definitely, I get that aspect where you, you know, you're just gonna go, oh, I'm gonna do it, and then everyone goes, well, were you safe? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like I didn't do anything like stupid, but even then, I like again, I probably could have pushed myself more when I was overseas yeah. on my own, but. I just stuck, um, I was only in the US and Canada, but I just stuck to the cities and like, I would walk around downtown and one time I accidentally bumped into like a s- literal swarm of like 200 homeless people and wow. I just had to keep walking. I was like, just keep walking. <laughs> but <laughs> Got to get past this shit. Pretty much, like yeah. literally. I was yeah. just like, oh, okay, we'll just keep going. And one person was like, do you have any change? And I was like, no, sorry. And that was it, you know, it was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, again, I probably could have like, been more adventurous, gone to national parks on my own, like rented a car, but I just chose not to do that. I would just like go to a city, wander around downtown like randomly. I also planned nothing. <laughs> the only thing I planned was Alcatraz because apparently it sells out like three months in advance. It's nuts. Yeah. So that's – and someone told me that. If no one told me, I would have literally rocked up to San Francisco and been like, oh, what? There's no tickets? Like, yeah, no. <laughs> so that's the only thing I booked. Everything else I would just – get to a city and be like all right so now like what's the go what's the go in nashville what's the go in austin what do i do here and just that's when i would figure it out like the day that i arrived wow yeah did you so did you even have accommodation booked yeah i would book only youth hostels yeah i would never stay in a hotel um and yeah i just asked the people there like what do i you know what's the go and wow meet people Especially in Austin, because like, mm. there's lots of speakeasies and yeah, um, Peking Duck were playing there actually, which is so funny. This was really maybe four or five years. It was in 2018. Wow! And I had never listened to them like on my Spotify, but like I knew all the songs because they were all over Triple J and whatever. Yeah. And I met some girl from Melbourne, and we had this amazing day where we like went kayaking and like went and looked at the shops, and then went to see Peking Duck, and it was like 15 bucks. In Holy a bar shit. of like 200 people. And I'm pretty sure at that time, like they would play like festivals and stuff and it'd be like easily $100 or more mm. to see them. And it was fucking phenomenal. It was such a, that was my favorite day. I still think about her. Her name is Ashley. Do you, have you stayed in, in touch with no. her? No. Oh, shame. Yeah. We did for a little bit, just like here and there, but mm. now it's been like five years or four years. So Yeah. No, it's yeah. always a bit hard when you. <laughs> but, and we literally spent one day together and that was it. That's great though. Yeah. That's the best way to spend it. It's so day. good. Um, my God, that's cheap though. That's fifteen bucks. I know, fifteen US dollars. So it was like yeah, twenty like, something. <laughs> but still, like that's pretty fucking cheap. <laughs> that's nothing. Yeah. Um, my God, it, you know that's what I miss about though go, traveling is going to places and not having really a plan. Yeah. Um, because you know with the pandemic and stuff, you haven't been able to do any of that. And I'm kind of looking forward to the day when I can go traveling again, and the prices aren't like exorbitant. To fly overseas, but um, yeah, you, know, you really reckon they'll lower their prices God, now no. that they know how much they can charge? No, um, no, I think they're going to bleed every dollar out of 100%. everyone. Yeah. Don't even get me started on fucking corporate capitalist. Like, <laughs> I mean, the price of fuel right now in fuel infuriates me because I'm like, they're still making billions of dollars in profits. Yeah, these no. fucking oil companies. Yeah. Yet we have to pay two dollars whatever i think i saw it for two dollars 47 recently like, that's shit depending out. on where you go and actually it's cheaper right now because they have that fuel excise yeah, thing, yeah. and soon that expires so then it's going to go up like 25 30 cents what the fuck and i'm like 
There is literally no reason it should be this price. No, by the time it, by the time it ends, you'll be paying for half a liter, which is a hundred dollars, and you're like, "What? Yeah. How is that legal?" Uh, yeah, during lockdown, and it was like ninety cents. And lockdown was the best thing that ever happened to me, just quietly. <laughs> not even quietly. I know, not, I'm announcing it onto a podcast. Yeah. Yes. Lockdown was the best thing that ever happened to me. I know so many people hated it and a lot of people really had a shit go, but yeah, like I was just working. I was being like, I had an office job, I think, or I can't remember fucking, I have so many jobs. I don't even know what I was doing at the time, but I was also doing pizza delivery. Um, there was zero traffic. Yeah. Fuel was like less than a dollar a liter. Just like drive around, listen to music, deliver pizzas. Sick. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I would not do it now because traffic sucks and fuel is way too expensive. I know. It's, it's At that time, it was the best I, job. I miss just being able to, like, you know, I miss morning traffic when I used to get up for work at, like, 6 a.m. to drive to work for a 7 a.m. shift and there was no one on the road. Yeah. Like, it was bliss because, but now every fucking person who's a commuter is suddenly on the road. Yeah. It's, it's, How long's it's, your commute? Uh, about 15 minutes now from where we currently live. But before then it was like, cause I was in Annandale and no, I'm never going to tell anyone my address. Um, we, I lived in an apartment block, but it was kind of like about 25 minutes in slow traffic, 25, 30 minutes to get from door to door. Yeah. But I mean, like I, you know, I work with people who live out in the Wallaway and Penrose and stuff like that. So it's like, same. The, you, you know, like. For them, it's about 50 minutes to an hour and a half some days. Mm. Like, and, and they, you know, I think it works as well because all the shifts were curated around the fact of where everyone lived logistically. So it kind of works that some people, you know, like I have coworkers who live in Barara and stuff like that. So it's about 40 minute, 45, 50 minute drive for them. So, you know, on good shifts, they can get to work from door to door in about 45 minutes or 40 minutes, depending. Yeah. See, and, I would not, sorry to cut you off. No, go like- for it. <laughs> I had this old coworker recently. She did not work at the company for very long, but we were talking about like driving because she lived in, I think, Penrith. So yeah. it took like an hour or something for her to get to work. And I was like, fuck that. I would not live more than 15 minutes from work. Mm. Like currently my commute's about 11 and a half minutes <laughs> or something like that. And she's like, oh, but what if it was your dream job? And I was like, what dream job would make me travel an hour and a half each way? I was like, my dream job is no job, honey. Like, yeah. she's laughing. I'm like, that's not a joke. Like, yeah. why? The, what is this idea of dream jobs to make other people money? Like, yeah, fucking no. 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 It's, <laughs> I am happy to make money for myself and, and myself alone. The, the concept of... Okay, I'm going on rants now because the concept it. of money just pisses me off. We're all tied to this fucking thing. We all have to make money. What even is money? Like, it's what is a dollar? Like, <laughs> it's it goes back to, and it's interesting because I remember listening to something, and this is an old form before currency, before trading, before anything. There was a way that you just kind of people used to do things for kindness. Like they basically went, oh you know, you're doing something, this is how the world worked. Yeah. It was just, you do something, here's something of mine, So, and here's something of yours, we trade. That was trading. You didn't have anything else other than, I've got spare cloth that I'm throwing out. Here it is for your work that you can turn into silk so you can give, and then they would probably give you the silk that they've made. Yeah, and, and then, then you trade your daughter for a cow. Yeah, it's no, great. <laughs> I mean, like, it only happens in Jack of the Beast oh dog. Like. But yeah, I'm just like, honey, there is no such thing as a dream nah. job. Like, I would love, if I had, if money wasn't a thing, which fucking, you know, whatever. But like, if I did not have to think about yeah. money, I would just like 
study things for the sake of it, like help animals, help people, yeah. like learn to cook properly. Like I would just do things that actually fill my cup. Yeah. Whereas working full time, which I don't work full time right now, but like I did for a long time. And mm. it's just like, and sometimes more than full time, I'd have literally two or three jobs. It's just yeah. like, this is literally soul sucking. It's just yeah. the worst. <laughs> I, I worked in full time work for eight years eight years now and i hate it like i just i don't think and and while it's taught me great skills it's taught you know and i won't you know just fact that um detract from the fact that that is a thing what i don't like is the fact that it's just like work and companies and the company structure don't have the work-life balance they don't have you've got a life outside of work oh do you do you really Oh, no, you can do more hours with us. Yeah. No, that's not how it fucking works. I work for you so I can have a life. Yeah. You don't own my life. This is an ep- a separate thing of what I want to fucking do. But companies seem to think they they own you and that's all that you ever are to them. Yeah, I mean, I've never had a job where I was also expected to like answer emails or whatever outside of office hours. But... They are. They, people do though. It's weird. Yeah, but I've never really had a professional job. Like most of my life, I've been working in pizza shops. Let's be real. <laughs> like, I've worked in one pizza shop three separate times. This one in Marrickville, and about four or five other pizza shops. Um, can't seem to escape pizza. Do you um, love pizza? Is this what we're learning? Well, no. Actually, now I don't love it as much because I would eat it so much at work for free. And then I get sick of it. And the thing is, especially at the one that I worked at multiple times, like I worked there for about six months or so and then left because I went to Canada, Mm. came back after two years and a bit, contacted them. I was like, hey, I'm back. Like, are you looking for delivery drivers? And she was like, yes, actually. So I started there again after being away for about two and a half years. They were still eating the same flavor pizza every single night. I was like, what? This is still the flavor that you eat every night? They're like, yeah. I'm like, I left two and a half years ago and we used to eat that every night. Like, what? And then I worked there for about a year or something. Still, same flavor every night. I'm like, oh, my God. I never want to eat peri-peri chicken again. <laughs> it's ruined it. Like, fuck. But um, My God. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Um, I mean, like, though, I, I do think that, you know, like, I, I find it interesting because you, both you and I hate capitalism. Like, we, you know, we're, like, more. We're I just in- don't get it. Like, I'm not in. You know, I just don't get it. Like the whole corporate thing. It's, I'm like, what? Like, but you, you know what baffles me? And, and and the same thing. It starts with you know colonization and, and colonialism and and the whole monarchy. I have no idea why we structure ourselves and our society around this patriarchy or anything of believing in this, you know, Commonwealth country that has done fuck all for us other than just send convicts over here. And or just push people here and then just going, oh, yeah, Australia can deal with it. And then we, you know, like, we, we're we not a... There is so much about this country. And I, I mean, like, US is worse currently because of the abortion yeah, shit that's going that's over there. Yeah, like, tragic, honestly. But, um, but the scary thing about Australia is until recently, until the change of government, I didn't actually think we were that far from going backwards because of how heavily religious the the liberal government are 100 percent, and murdoch media and yeah. all that shit like it's sky news is fox news like yeah, it's, there is no difference it's no, pretty sure it's owned no. by the same company so like and even then like australia we seem to have amnesia so 
liberals will probably come into power again after this. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Labor only seemed to win for one term and then people forget how shit the liberals are and then yeah, because they, go, they oh, I'll vote for them again. And, like, people in my family will, like, hate well people who receive welfare but then gladly accept a government handout and then vote liberal and they'll be like, oh, yeah, government hand. Like, I'm just like, hang on a minute. Yeah. You don't like it when people get a weekly payment, but you love it when you get a one-off pay. Like, yeah, I know. What's the diff? Like- it's, it's like the thing that shat me really, like, and the, the whole election coverage was like, vote for the liberal government. We'll give you the same. By the way, if you want to take out of your super, which is compound interest, um, and take about, you know, you know $50,000 out of your super to buy a house. Sure. But I'm like, then you wouldn't have any retirement money because that compound interest means that you've got like, and, and let's be honest, things like super and everything were designed by the labor government. They were, you know, the most things like Medicare and stuff like that were designed by the labor government. I can't remember the good thing other than the liberals have done in the last, like, 20 years is to ban guns like yeah that's good on you john howard i will say that that yeah because like you know and and the port arthur massacre was awful but it's like you think about it and you think how many steps did we not do in terms of like the fact that it was a plebiscite to legalize gay marriage the fact that you had to vote and and like i'm i'm fine with people voting yes i'm fine with people voting no but the fact that it wasn't just passed by legal, like they had to go and throw it to the public because the, the government didn't want to go, you know what, this might actually benefit from people. And, you know, but the ch- didn't they already know that the majority of Australians wanted it to pass? 100% anyway? they did. And they didn't care. They were just going to so throw it. So they just had to spend more money. Yeah, I know. More, that and we more, paid for. Yeah, taxpayer money. <laughs> like, and, and, and it just, it frustrates me from, a, I guess, a perspective of like, you know, and it, and it goes back to healthcare and everything because, you know, you know, the private health care system and the public health care system. Like, the public health care system in Australia, while it's great we have public health care, it is so underfunded now because, yeah. uh, and, you know, and private health care is so funded because, you know, like... Well, they they want to it to go to private because it's just getting more expensive. Our population's getting older and yeah. is increasing. Yeah. So they're probably going to not actually be able to have any money to have Medicare mm. in the next however many decades. Mm. Because I'm pretty sure it's like once you turn 35 or something, like you get penalized in a way for not having private health. We're going down the private health road for fucking sure. I don't love it, but I bet like that's the way it's yeah, going to go. It's, We're all going to have to do it. It'll be uh, a more American system. Yeah, I think it's 31. But, it, it, you know, like I, I hate that because, you know, you go into looking at bills and everything. And it's like, how the fuck is anyone meant to afford? Like affordable living in Sydney now is expensive. Expensive as fuck. Like the pandemic showed the cracks of what yeah. it was, and I and I love you know I'm the same as you. I fucking love the pandemic. It was like the best thing. <laughs> like, yeah. it was so good. It's like I get to chill. Like, <laughs> I know. It's like <laughs> finally relax and not work three jobs. Like, oh, yeah. I just it was it was it was a bliss, and I actually I just got to use it as a mental cleanse and also to get rid of a lot of people that I knew, and thank God I did because um, there were a lot of shit packs in my life. But I think also. In regards, it really did show the the fact of, you know, like my rent didn't go down and I asked for a rent reduction and they were like, oh, you can't find a complex without a pool. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I could find a cheaper place without a pool and I could probably pull it up. But you know what? You're all, a f- and I will say this, you're all a bunch of fucking cunts. So I'm not going to get what I Don't even I get want. me started on real estate. <laughs> it's, it's, I know, I've sh- already said this multiple times. Like, don't even get me started on this. But, <laughs> but they're so shit. Yeah. They, like, what do they do? They're nothing. <laughs> Why can't I just talk to the landlord directly? I don't understand. It's it's like 
you know, and, and the fact that since uh, my partner Emily and I have moved in here, we've noticed, like, leaks on the roof we found out, like, and we've had to get, like, the landlord to send out their own roofers to get a look at an insurance and then go back. And it's just like, oh, my God, like, the yeah. you know, the ludicrous, like, why can't we just email the landlord direct and say, here are the issues with this place and you might need to fix them before if we move out or if someone else wants to move in because they're shit. Like, yeah, it's like we need to, like, thank them so much for, like, allowing us to live in their house. It's like I'm paying your mortgage. Yeah. Like. Please make it easy for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't want mold. Please fix the fucking mold. Yeah. Did like, you get the email that was, like, with all the rain, make sure you open your windows. Like, yeah. It's the dead middle of winter and your advice is to open all the windows. I mean, I pretty much do that anyway, but. I'm just like, that's not realistic advice. Like- no, I mean, like, it's also like we, you know, I feel like so many people's houses at the moment just are mold ridden. They're like so, so much mold. And we found out like over in the corner um, underneath that Taylor Swift painting is actually, it's a chimney. So it goes straight mm. up the stairs. And we worked out that the guy who came to the roof was like, yeah, that's probably causing some like di- mildew and damp behind that. I was like, great that's probably got mold in there like mm-hmm. or something's developed in there like shit like that and you hear possums on the roof like they're scratching <laughs> like it's fucking it's you know it's a wild house like our garden it's a jungle but um <laughs> like i think what's interesting is yeah like you know we do have a good real estate agent here she is very lovely but it's amazing how many bad real estate agents there are and like the ones who I dealt with beforehand, before moving here, I had for three and a half years, and they were all fuckwits. Like that, one of them looked like he was twelve, and I was like, "How the fuck do you have a job? You look like you're barely out of school." And the other one was like a fifty-year-old man who just did not give two shits about anything other than just being like, "Oh, you have to fix this, and you have to." Do-. I was like, "No, I've reported these issues." And uh, they were assholes. Like, <laughs> did you see the article the other day on the ABC? And it was like this little studio yes. that was literally tiny, and there was a toilet, truly one meter, not even from the fucking kitchen bench. Is this the apartment in Adelaide? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was four hundred and fifty dollars a week. And the real estate agent literally was quoted saying, like, this is, you know, it's so unfair. It's all to code. I'm like, how about you fucking live in it, cunt? I know. That is <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> they charge four fifty yeah. to have a toilet in your kitchen, which isn't even a kitchen, really. No, it's a, it's a, it's basically a bench and, yeah. like, a corner with, like, a tap. There was nowhere. You can't th- cook and you have to pay $450 a week. Yeah, like, what so, the fuck? And the toilet is in the like living room slash bedroom slash it's and it for some reason I think because it was heritage listed apparently mm. it was like glass but not even frosted all the way yeah I was like why would they not frost the glass so if so if you had a guest over you can like see the people sitting on the toilet you can yeah. see their leg I'm like why like how My, is <laughs> this legal and they're like it is all to code this is legal I'm like no it's fucking immoral and you know it it's unethical <laughs> I think I think what made me so like happy about that like image as well was the fact that it you know it had a shower in the toilet as well like this was a cubicle it was a shower toilet and it and it just reminded me of a cheap hotel that yeah. you'd find like in the middle of like I went years ago I went to Singapore and that was exactly how it was like the room had a small glass perspex glass toilet plus shower 
So the shower kind of rained on the toilet, which was okay. It kind of cleaned it anyway, but <laughs> I, it was very weird. But I mean, like you look at that and go, okay, yeah, accept this for $50. Yeah, like if I'm in fucking Thailand or something and yeah. I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. But not to pay top dollar. Yeah. 450 a week is not cheap. No. It's really not. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And for what? A fucking tiny room with a toilet in it. <laughs> I mean, it, it and just... you got to sleep literally next to the toilet. I mean, if you did a massive shit and it stank, you would not. Truly. Want... Yeah. It'd be a weekly occurrence at least. <laughs> like. I mean, like, that's that's the worst as well. I mean, like, you, it drives me mental as well. Like, I I get, like, you know, places like this, you know, because currently our bedroom doesn't have a door. Like, our loft doesn't have a door, which is fine. Like, you know, but you wouldn't live in a house like this if you weren't with a partner. Mm. You wouldn't live with a friend because there's no privacy. There's no, like, real, you know kind of, oh, I can have a moment alone yeah. to myself because it's an open space. But I do look at some people who live in share houses and and I go, how is this even advertised for uni or like people who want a share house? This looks awful. Yeah. Like the structure of some houses alone. There is no privacy. Yeah, controversial opinion. I do not like open plan houses. No. I want separate rooms. The <laughs> kitchen must be separate. The fucking lounge room must be separate. Like maybe the kitchen and the dining could be the same, but I grew up with kitchen and dining mm. separate. Everything separate. Yeah. I like that. I mean, like I, I, the last few apartments I lived in, with like my um, previous apartment um, with my flatmate, um, Diana, we had separate bedrooms and separate bathrooms. So it was kind of perfect because I got an ensuite. So I was like, perfect. Nice. I got my own personal bathroom. Uh, it's in my bedroom, perfect. And then sh- her bathroom was like just right next to the kitchen. So it was like off the adjacent side. So we kind of used that as the main bathroom when people came round. And then my bathroom was just there as a spare if people wanted to use it, but they'd have to go through into my room. So it was a little bit weirder. Oh. Um, yeah, no, I was, <laughs> I was like, I don't really advertise it was there. Um, and But before that as well, I lived with three people and we, it was like, we had a separate kitchen. We had a separate lounge room and this was all when we were in our early twenties. And one of them was like, it was clearly designed for a family. Like you'd have the eldest child's room and you'd have the parents room and you'd have the small baby room. But we kind of used it for all three of us when we made it work. But I do remember that the walls were very thin Mm. and like you'd hear everything next door and like, you know, and and that was fine. But I mean, I'm glad it was all separate. Like you you were able to shut your doors and have your private time and not really share it with everyone. So I was able to go to my room and hide away if I wanted to watch something in peace. Um, But yeah, like, God, there's some places I visited. I'm like, there's no fucking privacy. Like, you know, you could... Literally, like, there's no lock on the bathroom door or the bathroom door is not even really a door. It's a barn door. Like, it's one of those shutter doors. I used to live with my bedroom where it had little shutters and it was truly a closet. I'm yeah. not exaggerating. Yeah. It was a closet. It had a fucking skylight. It literally fit, like, a little shelf and, like, a single bed. And that was it. Mm. And it was $180 a week, and which at the time I thought was a bargain. <laughs> and I remember some of my friends coming over and they were like, what the fuck? Like, this is $180 a week. I'm like, yeah, isn't that cheap? They're like, this is a closet. Yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> and the, the skylight would wake me up every morning. Like, I had mm. to sleep with an eye mask and I didn't have a, a bed frame. So I was like sleeping on the floor, basically. Yeah. So I could like hear everyone moving and yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. 
Yeah, and no proper door. How did that go with like having partners and stuff? That would have been hell. Yeah, I don't know. Like, just try and be quiet, I guess. I didn't have that many people over, but like, yeah, I was just like, and but I don't know. And I never really hang out in my bedroom, actually. I think that's why I like would rather separate yeah. living spaces because I don't ever actually spend time in my room. Yeah. I only use it for sleep and getting dressed. That's it. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Never I'm, hang out there. That's so interesting because, like, I don't know. I, I think I've accumulated that from my childhood because it was kind of like my space away from my parents. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah. Well, as a kid, I definitely, you know, was in my room a lot. But yeah. as an adult, I'm like, no, this is – I want to associate it with sleep. Yeah. So I only sleep there. I don't watch – like, I don't have a TV in there. And, like, I have, like, a lamp with a red light bulb so that it's – you know, not a normal light bulb, so it's yeah. like only red light, not so much blue light, that kind of stuff. I really try and make it like interesting sleep. Yeah. Do you have better sleep now because of that kind of routine? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'll wear like blue light glasses once the sun sets a lot of the time. Interesting that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, like, was that like something because you were, you know, like struggling from sleep before then, or no? It was during the pandemic. I went down the rabbit hole of. Instagram advertising. Um, <laughs> yeah, the danger and, of that. Yeah, and it was especially with um, vitamin D being, being very uh. important for COVID infections and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I didn't care about getting COVID, but I was like, okay, but in general, I'd like to be healthy. Like, yeah. I was like, this is sort of a sign that we can't keep abusing the planet or people or animals. Um, so, like, let's just fucking listen to Mother Earth. Like, she's trying to communicate something to us all the time. And then so I was like, okay, well, I want to live – in a more air quotes human way like in a more air quotes natural way Mm. um so i was like trying to walk every morning or at least just like get morning sunshine in my eyeballs it's Mm. meant to be really good for you and then also in the afternoon and Mm. like try and get sun during the day blue light glasses at night like stretching twice a day i was doing heaps of yoga i was eating super clean um you know, exercising, whatever, like especially mm. during lockdown, I'd go to Sydney Park a lot to the outdoor gym mm. and that kind of stuff. And I felt really good. And it all kind of went, fell out the window, but yeah. <laughs> you tried to keep it up and then you were like, nah. Yeah, I had too much on my plate. That's another thing is that I do is I pile too much on my plate. Yeah. So I think I had two jobs. And then I was studying vet nursing mm. and part of the course is you need one day of work placement. But I was really paranoid about learning enough or getting a job or whatever. So I got two pl- work placements. Ah. So I had TAFE twice a week, placement twice a week, <laughs> plus I had two jobs. And then my dad got really sick and yes. died. Because when he passed away quite like not that long ago now. May last year. Yeah. yeah so May 2021. Yeah, which yeah. is, which you know, and he got sick. Well, how long was he sick before he passed? Well, he was sick for like two years. Yeah, so it was, it was something you kind two of knew was years. happening, but it kind yeah. of like everything culminated into. Well, when I found out I was in Canada, it was 2019, and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, ah, I can't fall asleep. So I checked my phone and he was like, hi, Deb, just finished radiation for prostate cancer. All good, though. And I was like, what? <laughs> and this is the fucking motto of my family is all good. 
no matter what. All yeah. good. Yeah. It's just so we're very my whole family's avoidant, very avoidant, dismissive, never talk about anything, pretend everything's okay, but really it's we're not happy. Like just all this shit. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like I was like, okay, like I hope you're okay. Like what the fuck? And you know, yeah. and then I think I messaged my brother and I was like, Did you know? And he's like, Yeah, but dad didn't want to tell you. He didn't want you to like rush home or worry. And I was like, okay, like I get it, but also like I would have been more upset if he had died whilst I was overseas. Yeah. Which he didn't. He wasn't that sick at the time. Yeah. But yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Okay. Thanks for texting me. Because, <laughs> yeah, you were you, you came home and then was, was that the immediate incentive to come home or was it kind of just like a... No. Like, yeah, with me and my dad, growing up, we were pretty close, like, mm. in a way. Yeah, I remember, like, being a child and calling him and being like, hi, dad, like, when are you going to come home? And he'd be like, oh, I reckon I'll be home around six o'clock. And I'd be like, okay, you know, that kind of stuff. And then as a teenager, I always, like, preferred him over my mum just because, like, mum had a lot on her plate and was really stressed and he was just, like, a bit more chill with me. Like, would let me do things and, you know, whatever. And then I moved out of home because I went to uni. And then I think at the same time he also left home finally, which he should have done. Well, mum should have done like 40 years ago. But so he finally left. But I didn't really notice that because I wasn't living at home at the time. Yeah. And I'd come home on the weekends and he just wouldn't be there. And I'd be like, oh, okay, like he's probably out playing golf or like whatever. Uh-huh. And then eventually I somehow found out because I didn't really ask. Yeah. And then I was, I found out like, oh, he had actually like left, like fully moved out. And because my whole family is avoidant and he was not very sentimental, like we just never really contacted each other. And I thought he didn't love me anymore and wanted me out of his life because he had shacked up with another woman. Yeah. Who he ended up being with for nine years before she passed. Oh, okay. Um, she passed suddenly of ovarian cancer. Oh, God. Yeah. And then six months later, he passed. Uh. So, but yeah, like at the time, I just remember thinking like, oh, well, he obviously doesn't want me in his life because yeah. he's not contacting me or hardly ever, like twice a year or something. He's left. He's with another woman. Mm. you know whatever so i was like okay naturally i was quite upset but i being avoidant didn't actually bring it up with him yeah yeah and so i'd see him like once or twice a year i didn't know where he was living and i didn't ask Mm. in hindsight like all of this i could have just fucking asked but yeah you know whatever hindsight is 2020 but yeah i didn't ask anyone him or my brothers so i was like i knew he was living near us but didn't know where exactly and then um we finally sort of reconnected when I got back in 2020. Mm. Yeah, and that's when we sort of started to spend more time together. Not a shit ton of time, but like definitely a lot more time than over the last seven years previous. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were able to at least say your goodbyes. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Because that would have been worse, obviously. Did it, Because when he died, did you feel like... You know, it, at least there was some sort of amendment and you could have actually, you know, you did say your proper, like, farewell to him? Mm, there was more I wanted to say, but I was just like, well, it doesn't matter anymore. It's yeah. done now. Like, yeah. seven years ago or whatever. Yeah. Because I wanted to be like, why didn't you call me? But it's like, you know, he his attitude is always like, oh, well, you know, people get on with their lives. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just like country boys, like, oh, you know, whatever. So... <laughs> And yeah, I wanted to say like, you know, it really hurt me and stuff, but I was like, why am I, I'm not going to say this to a sick man in bed who's in hot palliative care. Yeah. Like, what's even the point? So I didn't bring it up and um, 
yeah, and I said my goodbyes and then he passed three days later, but I was with him when he passed. Mm. Yeah. Was it, did you, how did that feel for you? Yeah, it was obviously really upsetting because mm. I'd never seen, I never had anyone pass really. Like, actually, that's not true. Like, I had an uncle pass. I remember his funeral was on the day of our high school graduation. Oh, God. And I remember him, mum telling me that dad obviously had to go to his his brother's funeral, but it was on the same day as our graduation and the funeral was in Wagga. And I was like, no, like, I really want them both at my graduation. Like, I was yeah. like, no, I was really upset. So he paid all this money to like fly there, go to the funeral, fly back on the same day and then attend my graduation. Wow. Yeah. And I felt in hindsight, I was like, oh, I felt bad. Like I felt like I was being a brat. Yeah. And then I spoke to my mum's best friend slash my unofficial auntie. And she's like, no, you weren't being a brat. You were just being a kid who wanted her dad at her graduation. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, thank you. Because <laughs> yeah. for years I thought I was a total brat for no. wanting him there. That's 100% yeah. a valid emotion. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, his name was Frank and he died 2010. And uh, I'd seen him a bit growing up, but not much because he lived in the country. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had an old family friend who'd been in the family since like the 70s. His name was Ted and he died about eight years ago. Mm. Um, but even then for the last few years that he was alive, I only visited him in, the host- in his um, nursing home once. Which in hindsight, I quite regret. Really? Yeah. God. I should have been there a bit more for him, but. Yeah. I mean, like, I think my only, uh, one of my saddest things, I think it comes from, like, my dad's mom. I remember, like, I had friends over and I couldn't really talk to her. And it was, like, a week before she died, unfortunately. I went, like, she died suddenly. She died in 24 hours. It was kind of like a heart attack. And then, you know, the next day she was dead. Mm. Um, But I remember once like telling my dad this conversation that I had with her and and at least he he wasn't able to say goodbye or anything he wasn't able to have a conversation with her before she died but I remember him saying at least you know you sent her love from us like because he, he didn't have the best relationship with his mum but at least he was able to be like okay because he you know like I think that really taught him something to be really close with his kids because he didn't ever have a great relationship with his parents and I think there was something incentive to be for him to be a better father because I remember distinctly growing up as well that he didn't he had a lot of pent-up anger issues with his own dad so his relationship with me and my brother was very fractured and a lot better now like obviously because I know we've talked about it um you know and like my dad has recently been diagnosed with um pulmonary fibrosis which basically means scarring of the lung tissue He's on meds. We don't actually know his lifelong expe- um, like expectance at mm. this stage. It's just, uh, you know, but he's making the most of, you know, mum's retired. They're able to travel together. They're happy. He, if he gets COVID, it's not a serious risk, thank God. Um, but th- there is an incentive that one day he will not be okay. And and also the other side of my family is my aunt, which who is unfortunately just, you know, she has never looked after herself and we don't know how long she's got left and that is another thing which i remember i visited her recently and i i was as a kid very close with her so i have a lot of fond memories but i did say to my cousin who i'm very close with and i said to her don't let your kids not see their grandmother because i think that's really important as kids to really get a handle of death Mm. early because one thing my brother does and he's always avoidant of death He's always been avoidant of the idea that people, you know, 
are on their last legs and everything. And I'm like, it's really important to be hyper aware, even though it's very depressing, to be there for people who are ill or dying because they don't get a choice. We don't get a choice of when we die. We don't get a choice of what happens to us in life. And and as sucky as that is, death is not kind. It is long. It can prolong. It can suck fucking so much. And being there to help people make it easier and make sure they feel loved in any capacity is the best thing. Mm. And I definitely, you know, I know with my aunt, you know, it was really funny because I thought she wouldn't have a clue who I was. That's how bad her memory is. And she remembered me and everything. She still thought she was at home. She didn't think she was in the hospital. And one of the th- sweetest things was she thought Emily and I were married and that we oh. had a kid. And I was like, bless, this is so You're sweet. Like, yeah, sure, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a great story. Um, but I mean, like, it kind of was also I would just let her play this fantasy. in it Because at the end of the day, this person has no clue what's going on. Yeah, and it's nice that she thought she was at home. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, and, you know, like, look, she might die this year. She might die in a few years. Like, we don't know. But I think the less upset she feels, the better. Because mm. having no comprehension and, and having her husband who, like, at the moment is taking care of the house and also had COVID when I was there, so he, I couldn't see him. But I know he's stressed because, you know, what do you do when your wife's in hospital and you have no control over her health anymore and, and how she's doing? And I think that stresses him out. Um, but also, like... It's a very complicated, like my cousin's side of the family are very complicated. They're not, they've never lived, um, lived a very straightforward life. And I discuss this with my cousins all the time. You know, they're, you know, my, as much as we love my aunt and uncle, they aren't the most easy people in the world. And they've always lived very confusing lives to the rest of us. And I, I think, you know, it's amazing that, you know, um, they even stay together as long as they did. Like yeah. it's one of those relationships that you go, did this just happen out of happen like circumstance or like longevity in this? But I do think that, you know, their their life together, you it's always interesting when someone is dying, you see even the most dysfunctional marriages suddenly go, Oh, I really don't want this person to suddenly disappear. Like, you know when it's not a perfect match, but sometimes you see those marriages thinking, like, how the fuck did that last? And then you see them when they're like at the end of it and you understand like that they actually deeply care about each other and they don't want any harm mm. to happen. And I think that's really interesting that I've discovered about my aunt and uncle is they do deeply care about each other. And like, if anything happened, dear God, would they pa- panic? Like, yeah. and um, yeah, unfortunately my aunt is the, um, always going to be the first one to go. And, you know, yeah, it's, but I do think that whenever that happens and however that happens. And I said this to my cousin, it, it, it you know, she's lived a great life, you know, what do you do? Like, you don't, you can't dwell on these things of where you go, oh, they've lived a shit life or anything. If they've been happy or if they've been somewhat content, you know, would you rather them die happy and then not be in pain anymore? Yeah, hundred percent. And even when my dad was in hospital, um, my cousin said like one day he went in and he was like, oh, JJ, what are you doing? He's like, oh, just thinking about life. Yeah. Just thinking about me life. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you like, know, yeah. it's kind of all you can do. I mean, like, it's, you know, because, like, how old was your dad when he when he died? In the 72. Yeah. I mean, like, it's pretty good life to have lived. I mean, it's still quite young on the... Yeah. He 
I mean, I guess we all want to live longer, but he expected to live longer because um, I think his dad was only like, well, was like 90 when. Oh, yeah. My yeah. granddad. I, mean, I never met my grandparents, so I actually mm. don't know. But I'm pretty sure he was 89 when yeah. dad's dad died. Um, and obviously he had plans and stuff. So yeah. he just wasn't expecting to die so young. And also, like, it sounded like from the stories that I heard that it took a while to actually get diagnosed. Like, mm. you know, he had certain issues and then it took them like nine months to be like, oh, wait, it's cancer. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, but I suspected it like 10 years ago because of the way weird, but the way he was urinating, which yeah. is a sign for prostate cancer. Yes. Is like broken streams where it's yeah. just like, bleep, bleep, really? Bleep. Yeah. When it's not a steady stream. Like, that's a sign that men need to get their prostate checked. Yeah. And I remember hearing that 10 years ago and just being like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, that's not normal. Why isn't it a single stream? Do you know what I mean? But I was never like, dad, get your fucking prostate checked. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, what am I? I was like 10 years ago. Yeah, I was like 19. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, 19 year old would not say anything. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, it's a bit weird. Yeah. I mean, like, it's... I mean, like, yeah, it's it's kind of funny as well that, like, things like that kind of sneak up on us because um, I always feel like, you know, in particular, like, cancer is one of those things that, uh, it, you know, early onset diagnosis. But I think it's also for men, it's the over the age of 50. Like, and even 40, I think, is probably best to get your prostate examined. Yeah, and my brothers will have to do it sooner rather than later because dad died of it. Another of my uncles has it. And yeah. And another un uncle who died of a heart attack, but he also had it. Yeah. So that's three out of five boys. God. I, so, would it, do you think you'll get worry about getting any sort of forms of cancer? Is it like? I mean, one in two people do get cancer at some point in their lives. Yeah, so, so statistically, you, it's probable. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like, I think, what is it the normal age for girls to get, like, cervical cancer screens? Like, it's pretty early, uh, isn't it? You do that from, like, 18. Yeah. Or I think it's, like, a year after you're sexually active or something. Yeah. yeah. It's quite an early thing. The thing is, though, there's no test for ovarian cancer. Mm. That's why people get ovarian cancer and die 10 days later. Yeah. Because it gets discovered when it's stage four. And that happened to my dad's girlfriend, Margaret. She uh, went in for like a tummy ache and was admitted and died like 10 days later. Jesus. And one of my brother's downstairs, like old lady neighbors, went to the hospital. Turns out it was ovarian cancer, died 10 days later. Um, now I'm like terrified of like going to the hospital, getting ovarian cancer and dying 10 days later. Like, because it, there's, I'm pretty sure there's no yeah. early detection. That's so they nuts. only figure it out when it's advanced. That's nuts. Yeah. I mean, like, hopefully in the future they discover what causes the early onset and, you know, how you can diagnose this. But that's nuts that you can't kind of just go, tick, that's stage one. Yeah, like, surely there's some sort of, like, blood test yeah. or, I, well, it's surely in development, but. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like, you know, and, and like, women's sexual health and, and everything is kind of, like, still in the learning stages. Like, we don't really know enough about yeah wasn't know. it like 60 years ago they're like you have hysteria it's like <laughs> yeah, I know. use this vibrator like, <laughs> like what it's it's also like it you know we've we've only recently normalized it that that you know like you know women are sexually active like let's be real it's only been normalized in the last 10 years in in culture yeah that women can enjoy sex and i know and now it's being stripped away for 
you know, a hundred plus million American women. Yeah, no, it's it, which is nuts. Like, I I think um, you know, and it and it baffles me as well because, I, you know, I've I am aware as a as a as a, you know, however I represent in society as a male, I've where I've had this privilege my entire life of walking around having no issues mm. in life. That is something I'm fucking hyper aware okay, of. You've not had no issues. You don't need to go that no, far. No, no. But I mean, like in comparison to women, yeah. you know, and in comparison to minorities, like yeah. it's 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 significantly because I, you know, it's it's fucked how much people will not look at me and go, oh yeah, you can do whatever, but they'll look at you and just go, oh, you've got, you know you're a woman so therefore you can't do as much and you've got to protect your body and, and you know well, yeah i got and, told and house, that as a child yeah like you're a girl and i'd be like what yeah like when i was in preschool oh my god i was i was like i am a boy my name is alex like i don't know if you remember in preschool if you did these where you had these weird plastic plates and you draw like yeah. your family and your house and i remember doing that and then they the teachers like wrote deborah and I was like, that's not my name. My name is Alex. So it's literally Deborah and then crossed out and then Alex. <laughs> you yeah. know, and I remember telling my dad and he was sitting on the couch and he was just like, no, you're not. You're a girl. Your name's Deborah. What are you talking about? Wow. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm fucking, I'm a boy. Like, <laughs> do you think, do you think of your parents were, you know, a little bit more like, oh yeah, whatever. Like you, you were. Yeah. Mum was just like, oh, well, you know, she's got three older brothers. She's just yeah. looking up to them. Yeah, yeah, and um, I was. I would look after them. They're my older siblings. Of course, I'm going to do that. Yeah, like, yeah. and you're yeah. going to you're going to duplicate what they do. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they play with toys, and so do I. And I yeah. remember my brother trying to teach me how to ollie in the lounge room, and <laughs> you know, I mean, like it's it's a hundred percent the same. Like um, Emily's older brother, like and and just just this traits where it's like we don't really we like we live in a very non gender specific household, but uh, it's it's very much like. I think even growing up, like you don't think about like I don't know. It was very, it was very interesting as well. Like I remember something my mum said where she was like, "Oh, you know, I'm you know, I wish I had a daughter, but also I get I you know I have two boys who want to go and see the movies and stuff." And I'm like, "This shouldn't just be what daughters do. Like this should be just what anyone does. <laughs> like if you enjoy something, go and do it. Go and yeah. watch movies. Go and like if you're a guy and you like going sing ballet." Good luck. Enjoy it. But it's there's this I it baffles me that, you know, like parents and especially our parents, you know, like not all the time, but you know, there were sort of stereotypes that they grew up with stereotypes that needed to well, fit yeah. in and these molds. Sometimes I think with all this stuff and especially if people criticize older people for being like boomers and, yeah and don't get me wrong like i also can't stand boomers a lot of the time <laughs> but you have to be mindful of the fact that they grew up in a different time yeah like some people will even you know if a family member is racist they'll be like fuck that i'm never talking to them again and i'm like yeah okay but they're 70 like i get what you mean but also like yeah they're just from a different time and i'm not saying they're not capable of change but you know there's things that my brothers do that i don't agree with and their beliefs but I love them because they're my family. Yeah. I'm not going to fuck them off. Like It's it's 100%. And, and that's I've... me. Here I am <laughs> circling back from where we fucking started. 
learning empathy. I know. I mean, this, but this goes to like the thing that I think people lack empathy because it goes back to that thing of cancel culture, which I yeah. find the most. It's like my way is the right way and that's yeah. it. It's like, honey, nah. no, the world is not that simple. It's like people who go, oh, I write off that film of, you know, like the 1950s. I'm like, it was written in the 50s. So you have to adjust your fucking view specs like to when that was made and who made it and why they made it. Like, because... You know, I think as human beings, we forget that we evolve and we change. I think people think we're stagnant. And yeah. like, like, clearly not. Like, look around you. Yeah, I know. It's, but it, it is the thing. And I think it goes back to, you know, you know, when you meet people, um, you know, and it goes back to like us, you know, when we re met, but there's always people you meet in high school and years later and they've never changed. And you're like, what? How have you remained the same person? never changing, never evolving and trying to better yourself. And you've just stuck in this sort of like black and white perspective as teenagers normally would. We'd have a very black and white sense of the world, good versus evil. And yeah, I've met some people. I'm like, how are you 30, you know, 30 now and not seeing the the fact that the world isn't quite the same as when we were kids. It's fucking different. And it's also constantly evolving. Like, you know, 10 years ago, and, and I say this to everyone, 10 years ago, we did not have as much technology as we do yeah, now. 10 years ago in 1995. Yeah. That's right, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I still like, think 10 years ago was the 90s sometimes. I know, right? But it's like, you know, when we graduated high school, I remember having an iPhone 3 or 4. And now we're up to iPhone 13. And like, it's nuts how much. But I think about the generation coming in. And I think about that hyper technology generation coming in. And I do think that there's some element of, empathy is such a strong thing and and i think the thing that we lack most about it is because of social media Mm. because we think we know what everyone wants and we don't we have no comprehension as a species like you could tell me a story and they'd be like that's your sharing experience but until i heard that story i don't know what you want i don't know what anything but people think that because of this fucking image that they've seen online that it's automatically what everyone wants i'm like no and people are so complex. Yeah. And especially like a single tweet or a single caption, which doesn't convey tone mm. and you read it and bring in the tone yourself. So you're analyzing it through your lens, not theirs. The yeah. person who actually said the thing, well, didn't even say it, fucking posted <laughs> text onto a web page. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I'm like, what? So you're going to have to cut all that stuff about real estate agents and probably like leave this (laughs) stuff in because this is, I think, way more interesting. But yeah, just all that stuff with like social media, Snapchat, I like worry, I don't, I guess I don't worry that much. Like I'm, there's only so much I can actually care about in the world. Like there are only certain issues I can care about. I can't care about everything and take up all my brain power. Like that's just a fucking fact. Please don't. Yeah, well, like, I'm not and I will not. So, yeah. Um, but like with social media and stuff, I'm just like, this is just for teenagers these days. I'm like, what? Like when I remember getting the internet when I was about eight. Yeah. And I remember going on like MSN groups and MSN chat. And the groups, though, there would be these forums and you do this thing called whispers and that was a private message. So yes. you chat on the forum and then someone could whisper and you that would just be between you and them. Yeah. And I would pretend to be older. I would go on these 
groups, these forums, whatever they were, pretend to be older. Like ASL was the thing. Yeah. That was how you started every conversation with these strangers on the internet, ASL. And then they'd be like, oh, 21M, like New York. And I'd be like, 17F Sydney. I'm literally 10. And I'd pretend to be 17, 18, whatever. And I would be like, basically sexting these people, not really, obviously not knowing what the fuck, because I'm truly like nine, 10 years old, truly. And like doing it with such anxiety because I was using the family computer and like anyone could see at any time, but I was like texting these people and um, I did that for a long time. And then I remember someone sent me an email full of child porn. Wow. Full, full on child porn. I remember, still remember the email subject. And um, I remember opening it because I was like, it's called Kids in the Act Part 2. Part 2. <laughs> there was a part one? Ugh. And like, I was like, what? And so I opened it and I was like, Bleh! like as soon as I saw the first image, I was like, what? And I closed it immediately and I was just like panicking. I remember being like, what the fuck was that? And then I think it was like a week or something later and I went back and looked at all the photos and I was like, what? Like, what is this? Full on child porn. Wow. It was horrible. I was just like, oh my God, it was horrible. Yeah. And I remember someone... An older man, he was like in his 40s or something, and I think he wanted me to send a photo, and I was like, no, you send one first. So he sent me a photo, like a naked photo of him in the mirror, and I was like, ew, that's gross. Literally, I was like, ew, that's gross, and he was like, that's what a man looks like, and I was like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what I did in like 2001, (laughs) and that was using my family computer. We only had one family computer. We couldn't go on the internet if mum wanted to make a phone call. Yeah. Because we'd be hogging the line and she'd be like, get off the fucking internet. I want to make a call. Let alone these days with a literal supercomputer in your pocket. Yeah. With all this stuff, you know, and I'm just like, oh my God. If I got up to that shit, literally getting sent child porn in 2001 or 2002, whatever it was, Uh, I can't fathom what will happen these days. No. Like- and it, and it's so interesting because you know like you th- you think about like you know celebrity hacks and stuff and and people just getting hacked in general like it's so easy to hack anything now comparatively and I think it's it's sort of why I think you know and I totally get you know I I understand if you are interested in that field and you want to do you know pornography or anything like that go for it go wild but don't be surprised that someone will also manage to track down and steal those images and somehow duplicate them online and spread them like wildfire. Because it is, yeah, the predatory and disgusting nature of child pornography. And we had someone, it was interesting as well, We, when I was working at Nine, there was someone in one of the departments who was arrested for ch- having child pornography and was, you know, and, and selling it and stuff like that. And they got arrested and charged. Oh, wow. And it was nuts because, like, that is... You know what, 20, ooh, 2018? 2018? Yeah. And that's not that long ago. Like, and the internet. But couldn't has... that still be like someone who's 17? Y- y- or is that 6, 15? Not think... that it's any better, but like the images I saw were like. Eight, I think I think olds, I think yeah olds, I like think when, truly children. I think when you child pornography goes up until you when you're like sixteen of the league, of yeah legal of the legal age. age. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and even then it's like. I don't know. It's very hit and miss because, you know, I mean, you know, legally, it's like I think in Canada, 
it's um six you know like you can you can still get a, um like charged with statutory um like I think rape. they're called Romeo and Juliet laws yeah. where if you're 16 you can only have sex with someone who's like up to 18 yeah and 17 up to 19 I believe something yeah. like that where it's not just like 16 any adult it's like no within reason like, yeah yeah because I remember hearing one story where it was like the guy was 16 17 and the girl was 15 and they were dating and they've been dating for ages and I was like he just recently t- you know like turned 17 and yeah but she was 15 yeah, yeah and so their parents were enough. just like fuck this this yeah. is and it was like but they've been together for like a year like but you know like by law not okay um the and the, so those elements are a little bit skewed but i also get why because they protect children against like because it's not easy to consent it's and i feel like even now um it's still fucked like, it's still a bit askew because, like, yeah. we, you know, like, with social media and stuff, we're rushing to become adults. Like, um, you know, you look at pictures of teenage girls or teenage boys who are, like, 12, 13, and I'm like, why are you trying okay. to sexualize yourself? I am wildly jealous of all the girls these days because <laughs> when I was 15, I was not hot or cool. Like, I did not wear makeup. I did not have cool clothes. I was full emo. Like, what? And now I'm like, they all look stylish no matter what they do. Their hair looks amazing. Like, I'm like, what? What the fuck? Yeah. And I'm not that much older than them. them. I'm only like 10 to 15 years older than these people. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not that much older. I'm not that much older. But like, truly, like I would wear black skinny jeans Mm. and like Converse and like a black t-shirt and no makeup and just like my hair naturally as it is yeah face full of pimp like just like like i did not look cute all the girls these days look cute i'm like what the fuck but i mean sometimes at the same time it's like maybe it's a little bit much because they are still technically children yeah it's it's weird when you see especially teenagers like and i get it like when you see a 14 year old look suddenly like they're 18 i'm like that's weird and then it's blasted all over instagram and stuff and people you know there are predators out there yeah you know, I mean, I had people when I was literally 10, obviously sending me full on, like, truly horrific child porn and, like, yeah, you know, trying to get me to send them photos and even meet up. Like, I even one time remember meeting up with my old friend's boyfriend at the time, but I actually had never met him before. Yeah. But we were chatting online and he was asking me, like, how far I'd gone with a guy and, like... What do I like to do? And blah, blah, blah. and I was just like, I don't know. I think I was 15. I was like, I don't know. Like, nothing. Like, I'm not comfortable answering these questions again on the family computer, like, <laughs> literally in the lounge room, you know, on MSN Messenger after school. And then eventually I met up with him and I was just like, why the fuck am I meeting yeah. up with this person? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And it was just, but like, that was a friend's boyfriend. So I guess, but. How did I even know it was really him? Like, I don't even... Well, I guess it's a bit different, MSN Messenger. Yeah. But these days, it's like, how do you really know? Yeah, 100%. And and then how do you kind of, like, judge a situation like that where, you know, how do you feel comfortable, like, in a situation? I mean, also, as well, like, I I feel we rush to be adults with, with Link. I, and that's why I get very creeped out by, like, internet shit and stuff like that i've had that happen where people like send me shit or like and i've had it from friends who like, i've had it from friends send me stuff and i'm like why the fuck are yeah. you like 
I had one friend send me news and I'm like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't, you know, and some people are like, oh yeah, that's cool. I'm like, it's not. If you don't ask and consent to it and you just kind of assume, it's really fucking weird. Yeah. Um, it's funny because one of my favorite comedians, Whitney Cummings, like <laughs> so many people send her dick pics and she just collects them because she finds them <laughs> so funny and she'll like send them a rating and like just use it as, just be like, oh, I don't know who did it. It's probably a, one of those wives old tales or whatever, old wives tales where like, Someone sent an unsolicited dick pic, so she tracked down her the man's mum and sent it to the mum and was like, "Your son just did this, like fucking teach him some manners or something." And they're like, "Don't worry, he will get a talking to." <laughs> oh my god! I mean, like, that's I it. don't understand. Like, a guy will be like, "Hey," and you're like, "Hi," and they'll be like, "Oh, want to bang?" And you're like, "Whoa!" Like, no, so, or just like a dick pic out of nowhere. I mean, that hasn't happened to me in a very long time. But I'm just like. <laughs> It's not a track. Do you know what women like? We're not into it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, it'd be like if it was like your arms and like a sexy tank or like not even a tank. Wow, gross. But like a nice shirt that's like tight and you have like good arms. I'd be like, okay, that's hot. And then like, but just a penis and balls? Like, huh? no. <laughs> Why? But I mean, like, that's what apparently men on the internet think that you because they're dummies. They're just I like, no, nope, and big, big, big. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, this does not work. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, it just goes to show that as well as how uncultured people are in terms of like, because I remember I didn't even think as a teenager about sex until I was probably about like 14, 15. Mm. and even then, I wasn't I wasn't sexually active until I was about like eighteen. And because I remember thinking sex was weird, I thought it was the weirdest thing. It is kind of weird if it's, you think about it's it. It's so gross. If you think about it on a fundamental level, that you are two people just, just like rubbing against each, each other, other for some reason. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wonderful. You know, you're just like passing on pathogens and <laughs> germs and diseases and ugh, saliva yeah, no. and it's all salty yeah. and <laughs> like. It's pretty weird. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. But I mean, like, it's one of those things that I think when you, especially like you're a teenager and you think, oh God, this is so weird. And then when you're an adult, you're like, this is still fucked up. Like, this is still, like, it's fun, but it's still fucked. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, no, I'm like taking a step back from all that stuff, like sex and dating. Yeah. Because um, I'm just like, yeah, no, enough. Like, yeah, I need to do the work and all that stuff first like yeah truly like i always didn't i never understood when people like you need to love yourself before you can love someone else i was like that is such bullshit like what does it even mean like no but you really do not even that you need to love yourself but i really feel like you do need to understand who you actually are Mm. because i've been in that many fucking relationships that have just been disasters because like I didn't really know who I was. I didn't know what I liked. I had zero boundaries. I didn't know how to say what the boundaries were or keep them, mm. you know, didn't know how to speak my mind, didn't know how to say, say what I mean, mean what I say, and don't say it mean, like all that kind of stuff. I had no fucking idea. Mm. So, yeah, you really do need to, like, figure that stuff out yeah. first. Like, I guess to have, like, a successful healthy yeah. relationship you can have many fucked up relationships without yes. it but like 
I mean, absolutely. And I think it, it's something that people ask me all the time. It's like, oh, how do you have a successful relationship? And it's kind of not easy because you kind of need to work at it constantly. It needs to be good communication. It needs to be, you know, setting the rules and, and what you're com- both comfortable with. But I think what makes my current relationship and hopefully the last ever relationship I ever have, because I'm very happy, but it's like one of those things that I remember like, you know, before then, before Emily and I were dating, I didn't see a future with anyone else. Like I just was like, oh, I'm dating this person. Yeah, cool. see, the, my problem is I see a future within like one date. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then you get hyperfixed. Yeah. So my, I had a friend who she was the one that proposed the idea that perhaps I have ADHD. And she was just like, you know, maybe your hyperfixation is on men. Like some people might be like, I'm so hyper-focused on like drawing or yeah. fucking action figures or I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And she's like, maybe yours is men because you seem to really, when you like someone, it's like very intense. Like, yeah. True. That is a pattern of mine. I do agree. <laughs> Hence, I'm doing certain steps to change that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my problem. Are you? Here's here's my question for you. In terms of intimacy and everything on the first date, is it quite? Are you very intimate on the first date, or is it kind of like a few dates in? Um, I don't know. Like, it really depends. A lot of the times, I don't listen to my gut. So, the most recent person I dated. Um, we had a really good first date and it was like, you know, obviously a little bit awkward, but like fairly comfortable Mm. and, um, but we didn't have sex for like three dates, which was different for me because I was like, I don't understand why he's not trying to have sex with me. (laughs) Like, don't all men just feel entitled to my body at all times? Like, what is this? He's not, he's waiting, you know, it actually confused me Wow. when really it's like a nice normal thing to get to know someone a little bit first and now like I would probably I would wait longer than that now when I do date again at some point in the future I don't know when that will be yeah um so yeah but it's like too much intimacy and affection and it's not true intimacy because really I don't actually know who they are I'm projecting my fantasy of them onto them yeah and then I blame them for not living up to that fantasy and those expectations. Yeah. And it all fucking blows up. Yeah. You know? And having no boundaries. So then I essentially become so overwhelmed and exhausted that I eventually either, you know, it fizzles out or I break up with them quite suddenly or they are like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Break up with me. I've had a few people that I've broken up with and they've said that, like, I was really cold or like they felt like it was a different person breaking up with them, that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, because by the time I got to that point, I was just had my boundaries violated truly every day. And I was just like, I fucking, yeah. and when I say relationship, like you're truly like three months long. Like, yeah, it's pathetic. Like it's just it's not though. I mean, like, <laughs> Yeah, we, you know, it's it's kind of something that neurodiverse people have. And, and that probably does explain a lot because, and you know, like, my current relationship is the longest I've had and most of them before then fizzled out after like eight or nine months, even, even then probably like mm. three months in, they were starting to feel a bit boring. They, yeah. And you know what? Like they say that you're always trying to recreate your childhood circumstances Yeah, and I've never, you know, like me and dad barely spoke for seven years and I yeah. felt like he abandoned me and he didn't love me. And even some of my brothers I don't really talk to because we're all avoid and like yeah. so it's like I've never gotten the attention from men that I've wanted 
So I'll just cling to any man who even looks at me twice, like not so much anymore, but back in the day. Yeah. Um, and oh, I can't remember where I was fucking going with this. It was going to be a real good one too. <laughs> no, I know. I know. <laughs> you just get, you're like, where did I live? No, I know what you mean as well. Like, I, I feel like that is. Actually, okay. Sorry. I remember what I was going to say. Yeah, go for it. So they say when you're securely attached to someone, it's kind of boring. Mm. So, whereas I've never, maybe once, because I did have a relationship that was like over three years long. Oh, yeah. Um, But otherwise, they've been, you know, two weeks to six months, mm. perhaps. And, um, but when you're securely attached, it's boring. But I'm not used to that. I'm never, I don't think I've ever been securely attached to someone. And it's fucking wild. Like, I'm literally high the entire time, not on drugs, on the person. I'm truly high, you know. And it's all chaotic and I don't know if I like them. I don't know if they like me. Like, and you know, I'm thinking about like, oh my God, what about in two years time? Or yeah. if I was living overseas, I was like, are they going to move with me to Australia? Like slow the fuck down, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then so to have a secure relationship and a lot of my friends are saying this, they're like, it's, it's hard because they're used to these insecure relationships. And when they finally get one that's like actually healthy for the first time, they're like, it's hard because it's so boring. Mm. Like, it just feels so boring because we're so used to the chaos. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's so weird as well. It's like, um, I I just can't. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I know entirely what you mean. And I sort of feel a little bit like, I don't know. I had this period, I had this period, a definitely period of time where I was just like juggling everything and then, you know, like going through this like hyper fixation on people. And then now I've just kind of gone, you don't want content. Like it's so weird as well. I'm, I used to be very hyper fixed on, on people and then just get shrug them off um, after mm. a point. And I was like, oh yeah, no, done with, done with them. Even with friendships sometimes it was really weird, but um, now it's like a lot better where it's like, I don't really get, bogged down with a lot of like I used to have a real struggle with like people not responding and that used to irk me for some unknown reason and now I don't give two hoots like I'm like yeah you don't respond cool as long as uh, like someone follows up and I can kind of get a response at some point but I don't care when it is um but yeah before then it was like even if it was the simplest thing like I'd need to or it was like yeah in in terms of like partners and stuff I was like they're the best thing in the world and then the moment they kind of did something I was like they're the worst person in the world and they I hate them in all their guts. Yeah, or just completely ignoring red flags. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> truly just going, oh, my God. Oh, like, spinning it into something yeah. positive. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, like, I've, I've been in relationships where I got told that it, it like, didn't, you know, it wasn't real love or it was, like, um, you know, like, uh, you know, I deserved the mistreatment or anything like that. I feel like, no, nah, that's fucked. <laughs> like, there are so many things that I, like, look at past relationships. And I'm like, none of that was healthy. I know, I just truly feel sorry for all of my friends and exes that are no longer in my life because they really got the worst version of me. Mm. Like, truly. Yeah. So bad. I mean, I'm, I'm looking I'm for... so much better now, guys. You, <laughs> you can come back. You can contact me. <laughs> when this comes out, you can contact Deb and they'll just, like, please follow her up. No but exes though. That's a that's, that's a boundary. A, that's a boundary. Yeah. But you know what I'm looking forward to is is knowing now you know, like since we've rekindled our friendship, it's actually knowing you many years in the future and being able to kind of see you as a, a person because like and see how you evolve as a person as well because like 
it's oh, yeah, it's quite the big jump, like from seventeen to twenty-nine. Yeah, I know. Surely, I mean, like <laughs> you know, hopefully, I would have evolved it in some capacity. But it, it's like as we said when we when we finally caught up, and it was kind of like one of those sort of surreal things. There was nothing about our friendship that even now, looking back at it, just like it felt kind of like we were just like play catch up. And then we were there, and then something way back to where we kind of were, and it's kind of like a weird. We're just adults now. Yeah, uh, and it's nice just to reconnect, and yeah, you know, sometimes people or ice would feel like this, like if there's certain friends that I haven't spoken to in six months or a year, and then I'd put off getting in contact with them again because I'd be like, oh, but it's been so long, and what if yeah. they? And I'm like, okay, well maybe they don't want to reconnect with me, and that's okay. Yeah, like I do understand that sometimes people just move on, and that's cool. Yeah, but. You know, it used to be such a thing. But now I'm like, if a, I had an old friend reach out to me not long ago and I was love, I was like, oh my God, like, yes, this is amazing. Yeah. And you know, Mustafa? Yes. Yeah. I bumped into him recently. Holy shit. And I hadn't seen him since before my going away drinks for when I left for Canada yeah. in like early 2018. Wow. I saw him afterwards like yeah. in Newtown. So I saw him then in 2018. I hadn't seen him since. And I was at Bunnings in the car park and I'm getting in my car and I hear someone be like, Deb, Deb. And I was like, is that my name? Like, and I looked up and it was Mustafa and I was like, oh my God. And he's like, hey, like, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I had a chat and he's like, fuck yeah, let's, you know, hang out. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like, holy shit. And it's not weird. Like he yeah. could have easily pretended that he didn't see me and just moved on with his life and I wouldn't have known. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think. People are are more accepting and receptive to these things than we think because we're our own worst critic, right? So we're yeah. always thinking the worst when really like no one actually – I have good news and I have bad news. No one cares. <laughs> like – That is good truly, and bad. <laughs> truly, no one cares. Yeah. Just – yeah, like fucking just go for it. Lighten up a little bit. Like, <laughs> really, like no one's truly thinking about you. Like, no, no. And they'll probably like it when you do reach out and if they don't, well, okay. Yeah, tough shit for them. Yeah, move on. Yeah. I mean, you've got so many yeah. other fish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like 8 billion others. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to use that as a perfect point to wrap us up. Cause okay. It's, but, you know, can I can I just say, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I'm Thanks. Fine. I hope your listeners, whoever they are, enjoyed listening to me, a total stranger, <laughs> and not famous at all. <laughs> I mean, no one who comes out here is, is truly famous. Yeah, um, true. True. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that for sure. Maybe we'll all become famous one day. Um, but, no, thank you. Is there any way, Deb, for people to stalk you on the internet if they want to find you um <laughs> nowhere no. yeah i deleted my instagram you did i'm not giving out my fake facebook name no don't um could whatsapp me but i have to give you my phone number <laughs> just to, just you know if come, you... come to sydney park skate park and you'll probably see me there i'm i'm the one that's wearing the helmet yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> everyone else doesn't give no a one shit. else really wears helmets so um, and I've got a pink skateboard with a light, like a oh, lion sick. or a tiger on it, whatever. Sick. Yeah, yeah. So check me out. Come to Sydney Skate Park. All right, done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually going to watch you skate. It's going to be sick. Um, yeah, I've got my ollies down almost. Sorry, I know we're wrapping up, but yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I want to. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Um, if you want to go and check out more episodes of The Things We Do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week, and I'll speak to you all later. Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right, that's a wrap. Bye. Bye.